DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It's time to welcome in Greg Hansen, sports columnist for the Arizona Daily Star. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah's in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Greg, good morning. Hey, what are you guys doing up so early? <laughs> Getting paid. Well, not as early as you. You're an hour behind us. so the great thing about you visiting you've been on the show many times is that for the first time in a long time i don't think pk is going to ask you when arizona is going to switch basketball coaches yeah they uh they hit a home run in terms of uh attitude and perception and and hard work and uh everything they're ready to roll now this guy tommy lloyd is a recruiter extraordinaire uh and using Arizona's platform, he, he's got a shot to uh, really take it to the highest level. Yeah, I've been around Tommy many times, and I know people who've been around him, haven't covered college basketball for a long time, and everybody's excited for him uh, to see what he can do. Obviously, he was Mark Few's right-hand man at a very extremely highly successful program. And so, yeah, it looks like it's a good hire. Well, I thought Sean Miller was a good hire, too, and maybe got away from him a little bit. But yeah, uh, I thought it was a good hire. So I guess the question is, is everyone just looking ahead to basketball season and they're just going to ignore the football team while it rebuilds? Or is there a little bit of uh, interest and energy around the football team and there'll be a lot of Wildcat fans in Las Vegas for the opener with BYU? Yeah. This Jed Fish guy is it's kind of like a Seinfeld episode where he does the opposite because what he normally did didn't work, so he did the opposite and he Suddenly, was dating beautiful women. <laughs> Jed Fish is totally the opposite of their last two coaches, Rich Rod and Kevin Sumlin. He is nothing but a bolt of energy and all positivity. And I mean, they had a, a, a their, their final training camp scrimmage Saturday night, and he had a DJ and music and everything like that. And they had eight thousand students showed up, and it was all because Jed Fish doesn't stop trying to recruit people and stir up interest and it's they haven't had something like that in U of A football for decades. He's obviously they don't have the talent yet, but much, much better than they were the last three years. And I mean I, I think they're gonna be okay. All right. Well we'll see what happens there. Well uh, doing my research on the program was down at Pac twelve Media Day. We broadcast down there, yeah. so I uh, did a whole bunch of stuff on each of the teams. You know, they got the three quarterbacks. Uh, Plummer was there last year, and then Jordan McLeod, a transfer, Gunnar Cruz, a transfer, and I don't know what's going to happen, but it looks like, just looking at stuff, that Cruz is going to be the starter. If that's the case, what do you think of that? You know, he, he's not going to take you anywhere yet. Um, he, he was back up in Washington State as a true freshman last year, but He's almost surely won the training camp competition. Um, and today they're going to announce the starting quarterback, and it's it's him. And uh, he was a you know he was almost a four star recruit out of Phoenix, and Mike Leach took him to Washington State, and he's got an upside. And so that's a future. The kid from South Florida had really good stats at South Florida, but he got here late. He didn't transfer until. I think July, so he hasn't been able to catch up. And, you know, they've, they've, they've got to play close or beat BYU in the opener to, 
to have a shot at winning like four or five games, I think. And the rest of their team is, is isn't that bad. It's nowhere near as bad as it's been. And they're energized. They have an energy that um, they haven't had. You know, Kevin Selman just mailed it in. Didn't even know what city he was living in. And uh, <laughs> Rich Rod was just too old-fashioned, didn't change. And, you know, he went down with the ship. And now suddenly they've got a new commander and, yeah, he surrounded himself with the coaching staff. I mean, I've been following the Pac-10 since it started in 1978. Arizona's got a coaching staff that ranks with anybody in those 50 years almost. Um, he hired Pete Carroll's son away from the Seahawks. And for him to come to Arizona, he could have jumped off anywhere in his attempt to become a college head coach. But he believed in fish, apparently. And he's their offensive coordinator, and he is a personality and a energizer bunny and their defensive coordinator hired away from michigan don brown and, and he's a you could do a tv uh, series sitcom on him he's just nothing but but uh, voltage and it was just a total change so if you've got a quarterback who is the guy but you can't win with him yet how much does he get turned loose in the opener against byu what does the game plan look like what do they do with him Boy, that's the question. That's a real good question. Um, I'm thinking Arizona's hoping BYU approaches it the same way with their new quarterback. Um, Arizona's got a, got a useful offensive line. That's probably the, the strongest area of their team. So, you know, they're playing under center a lot. Um, they're not a shotgun uh, passing circus. They think they can overpower you sometimes. And I think that's what they'll do. They have two capable running backs and they have about five everybody else has five good receivers too but Arizona has four or five good ones so I, I think they'll be tough I think they'll hang with BYU um, all the way interesting I know that uh, speaking to the offensive coaches at BYU that you already brought this up with Brown coming over uh, and one of their guys was telling me that they viewed Don Brown as one of the best defensive coordinators in college football for a real long time. Uh, and they believe that from, from the BYU perspective, if they're not ready to go, they're going to have some trouble because they just believe in Brown that much. Defensively, you know, a lot of guys that for the Cats, they had, uh, I think they had like 16 guys transfer out, nine guys transfer in. So you got a lot of new bodies. Mm-hmm. But defensively, how good do you think they can be? Uh, they've got size now on the defensive line, which they haven't had for almost 10 years. Um, their linebacking crew is, they're like all, they were like first team all. Matt Conference at like Bowling Green, Western Michigan, and Ball State. So that's an improvement on what they have. They've got two really good cornerbacks, probably who could play for almost anybody in the league. And um, at Don Brown, when when he has a press session, a Q and A session, it's like he makes you want to suit up and go out there and play. <laughs> He's just something a school, a mid-level school like Arizona, needs to have guy who can make a difference with his energy until he can recruit better. And maybe it's easy to say that on August 24th or something, but they're so much different than they have been in the last three or four years. They'll at least try hard. So I don't know how much they let you see, and they don't do much tackling anymore. 
uh, because they're trying to keep everybody healthy. But the one defining memory I have of Arizona football is no matter how good the athletes are, no matter how big or fast or whatever their stars, they didn't. They missed tackles and they they missed tackles in space. They had guys running through arm tackles. Do you have any indication of how much that has changed? Well. Fish was totally transparent in the month of training camp. You could go to every practice, talk to anybody you wanted, talk to any assistant you wanted. And um, so the players talk in terms of, well, Don Brown himself said, I heard him several times, you know, we're, we're a blitz team, we're a run and hit team, and if, but if you can't take a tackle, you can't play. So he must, he obviously saw that in the film in the first you know, 10 minutes that he watched films of their previous teams. So maybe they have tougher guys now, or at least a tougher mindset. They've got a pass rusher and a defensive end named Jalen Harris, who's going to be an NFL player. And they haven't had an NFL defensive player who's big and strong and can make a difference for Teddy Bruschi almost. Anthony Bandy at linebacker, one of the better linebackers yeah. uh, in the conference, wouldn't you say? Yeah, and he's an old guy too. I think this is his sixth year, and he's a he's big and sturdy, and he was one of the few guys they had in the last two years who could hold his own. So, if he if he steps forward and as a leader, you know that they're not going to go two and ten or three and nine, and I know there's not much difference between four and seven or five. I mean, four and eight and five or seven, but. This isn't a three and nine team unless they have a lot of injuries. So when you were talking about uh, Arizona's quarterback and, and the play call in the opener, you said, you know, what will BYU do with their guy? I think that they're gonna be pretty aggressive. Um, and we've yeah. played some stuff this morning with the offensive coordinator at his availability Saturday. Aaron Roderick was going through the receivers he really liked. And they got BYU game two, or BYU has Utah at home game two. So they have really got to hit the ground running with these games right out of the, out of the gate here. So is Arizona's secondary, is there enough depth in Arizona's secondary to handle three or four wide receivers coming at them play after play after play? Uh-huh. As I mentioned, their two cornerbacks are solid, can play anywhere. Um, I guess a lot of it depends on what pressure they can get on the quarterback. That remains to be seen, obviously. But, uh, you know, I I haven't seen the betting line on the game, but I'm sure BYU's favored by three or four. But I think it would be more like a toss-up. Arizona probably have 20,000 fans there. I'm thinking BYU will have 25,000. So, should be a good setting. Um, maybe BYU will be looking ahead to Utah. When you look at the Cats' situation, I don't know that it couldn't have been any worse. How much of that, uh, this optimism, is simply because of that, that it couldn't have gone any worse and pretty much anybody yeah. who they brought in was going to be a breath of fresh air compared to what they had? Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. The first thing Fish did the first day he was fired because it was a very unpopular hire because he was he's a talker. He, he could have his own talk show. He could be on late night uh, radio or TV. And, you know, he'd worked, he dropped all the names, Bill Belichick, Pete Carroll, all the guys he'd worked for. And so he'd been a finalist for about every job every year. And he, when Arizona fired him, it just seemed like they were reaching. 
then uh, his first day on the job, he hired the two greatest football players in Arizona history, uh, Chuck Cecil and Ricky Hunley, to be full-time defensive assistant coaches. And they are nothing but energy guys and high-profile guys. And um, that got the community behind him almost instantly. And then he, he stepped it up even from there by not making himself the center of the show and making it about his assistant coaches and their ability to recruit. You know, they have he hired assistant coaches who have 64 years of NFL coaching experience. Um, Hunley and Cecil both had about 12 each. Uh, Cecil was the defensive coordinator to the Tennessee Titans, and Kevin Summer wouldn't touch him. He was afraid of him. Well, Fish isn't afraid of those two guys, so it's just a total, total shift. And maybe I'm getting way too caught up in it, but it just seems promising. Greg Hansen joining us, sports columnist for the Arizona Daily Star. So, the uh, bringing in these older guys, the NFL guys, it, it sounds a little bit like the Arizona State story. Yeah, you're right. Um, and Herm Edwards is kind of just, you know, he's not active in the trenches. And Fish, although Fish is going to call the plays, um, that's probably the difference. Herm Edwards doesn't call the plays. Uh, and Herm Edwards, I I think the world of Herm Edwards, uh, but apparently now you know they they've got they're probably all going to get dismissed at year's end, and this is a one one year shot for ASU. And I don't know. That's maybe the only comparison you can make. Edwards is in his late sixties and was a big time player himself in the NFL. Fish uh, is in his mid forties. He was a tennis player. Never played a down of football in his life. Well, that's certainly a different parallel. But uh, after seventy to seven, I guess those guys can uh, trash talk and get ready for the game. <laughs> yeah, no kid. Count, count it down to that there. one. There's a big billboard between Phoenix and Tucson on I ten that says "Pity the Kitty" and in huge letters seventy to seven. And that's still there. It's been up for about eight months, and that's a driving. I think that's on all their bulletin boards and everything, so that's going to be motivation. Greg Hansen, sports columnist for the Arizona Daily Star. Greg, thanks for checking in with us again. We appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Good luck. All right. The opener a week from Saturday, BYU's an 11-point favorite in the game. Of course, Fish is a talker. He's a North Jersey dude. Livingston, Jersey, baby. (laughs) Went to the same high school as my sister. (laughs) I know these guys. I'm one of them. (laughs) We can talk. It's what we do. (laughs) So can he pull in enough transfers right away, or is it the rebuild that everybody thinks it is? Or does everyone think that because they're not looking that close at it because it's not that sexy a story and quietly behind the scenes with different rules than existed a decade ago, even five years ago, everything's changed. I think Arizona can have its day, and you got to give the man time. I mean, it's uh, I don't care who you are. You've, he inherited it, just a program that has literally been in, in its worst stage ever. I mean, that, that's saying something, right? It's like when Bronco took it over. Now, they were so – I'm not as close to the situation in Arizona as I was with the U of A, I mean, um, with BYU – there was talent. BYU had talent. They weren't as bad as their record indicated. 
They needed somebody to pull it all together. Bronco did that magnificently and went from 6-6 six and six to winning double-digit games the next three years, four years in a row. One of the greatest coaching jobs ever. Bronco, because people viewed him as weird and stilted and all, I don't think he gets near the credit that he deserves for what he did. It was an absolute phenomenal job. I couldn't have more respect for Bronco. I know some people got worked up about him because he was a little awkward, but as a football coach, I graded him out as A+. He pulled it all together, and he virtually did it overnight. If you look at one season, they go from where he did, where they were, to where they were the second season and what they did subsequently. Incredible. I don't know that Arizona has that talent that has been doormat. You see what I'm saying? So I can't answer that. I look at it on paper, and I sort of agree with what Greg Hansen says. Not completely. And he he acknowledges it. Am I getting caught up in it? Right. Sometimes I get but caught he, up in stuff. We all do. We all do. Um, but uh, you know, he also said, you know, if stuff they had to do, if they're going to win four or five games. Right, their, their which would be a major accomplishment. It would be. Their non-conference schedule isn't that tough. BYU's, BYU, San Diego State, Northern Arizona. So mm. they could they could go one and two. Is what I mean, I'm thinking. Well, that like you said, if they're going to get to four or five wins, well, they got to go at least minimum one and two. Right. It's a question of what what can they do? Can they pick off two or three wins in conference? If they do that, if they got to two or three wins in conference. That especially if they got to three, if they go three and six, and and the other games are not seventy to seven, that gives them some momentum. This guy's a talker, right? Jersey guys, North Jersey guys, a suburb. It's twenty minutes from New York City. What's the losing? They're talkers. Is it twelve? Yeah, twelve games. Yeah, right. They lost so, seven and then went on no, five, five last year. Right. And so if he can get to that, that gives him some serious momentum. I believe Arizona football will have its day under Jed Fish. The question is two things. Does he stay, <laughs> and can they sustain it? Because everybody has their day. If you built, like BYU, they had their day last year. They would have had a good season with or without the schedule changing because they had built up to it. All right, good. You had a good season. Good for you. The Devils have done it plenty of times. It's about having a program, not a good season. That's my question. Can Arizona football have a program? Not a good season. Rich Rod had a good season. Someone was hardly there, so he was out the door in three years, so whatever. And he didn't even know what city he was leaving. I think he, he thought he was in Sierra Vista. Uh, he, he, didn't was, know. he was even in Tucson. He took over a 7-6 team. He won five games. He won four games. He won no games. He left. Yeah. It was just straight so it was awful. There was right? no anything. They, Fish can get it going. And they, I think they can be competitive against BYU. Because right now, they don't know if they're crappy. <laughs> right? Well, you get to like the middle of October, and you're one and five, and you've been getting hammered. Well, then you're, what, you're, you're, your whole brain and everything about you is telling you, we suck. So that's another story. That's the thing about when BYU gets these teams, they're not in that point yet. They're not beaten down. They still have a lot of enthusiasm. So I suspect Arizona is going to be competitive. I, I believe BYU will win, but I think they'll be competitive. And going forward, they'll be better than they were last year for simply the reason they couldn't be worse. But if BYU gets a score and then BYU gets a turnover, does Arizona's defense run out on the field thinking, here we go again? 
That's that's where it can all get away, and it can be competitive right up until the moment a couple things go against them, and then they could just it could just be a house of cards and fall apart in a second. Because the the players expect that the players have been I don't expect Navy been there have been beaten down. Yeah, yeah well, Navy's, Navy is from the... Fired up. It's I know. Other, and he's got a lot of transfers who don't, who aren't going to be wearing all that baggage, baggage yeah, yeah. that negative history. Yeah. That's not a part of their deal. Their transfer is for somewhere else. They didn't live it. And they had 8,000 students, and he addressed the crowd, the students, and he told them, we need to be as loud as bleep. He swore! <laughs> He swore. Well, it's Arizona. They got no standards. You told us that for years. Well, he's a Jersey guy. He's from Jersey guy. He's got a filthy mouth. So it's actually everything you've ever told us about this. It's a it's a match made in. Uh, well, it's a match made in Tucson. He's. Uh, I wonder if he has any connection to the Bonanno family because, as you know, they're a big crime family and they moved to Tucson from the New York area. I did not know that. <laughs> you can look that up. Okay. <laughs> All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. More on Tony Finau's uh, big win coming up in about 35 minutes. Brian Taylor, Real Golf Radio, will be here in a little more than half an hour, right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. I know that there's a lot of different rumblings and there's been a lot of different news about starting quarterbacks, but if you were listening to Scotty and I all through camp, there is no breaking news. It's just the same old news that we've been talking about. We all knew it was going to be Charlie Brewer. And you may have heard people say, oh, it's closer than you think. And Cam Rising put a heck of a battle up there, but it was always going to be Charlie Brewer. I always talked about, you know, Cam Rising is, he won a quarterback job there once, but you saw the quarterback, he won the job over. Yeah. Charlie Brewer is much better. There was a nice battle, but at no point, and this should be more reassuring to Utah fans than anything, at no point did Cam Rising actually take that job back from Charlie Brewer. Hanson Scotting, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ PK in the morning, proudly presented by Mark Miller Subaru. Question of the day, based on Monday night's game, doesn't it look like Jameis Winston is a Saints starter over Taysom Hill? Yes, it does. A, he started. B, he got two touchdowns and three possessions. They took him out. That kind of had a whiff of, yeah, he is who he thought he is. Let's not get him hurt. So that was the impression I came away with, that, yeah, they're leaning towards him, and he just went out there and... Gave them what they wanted to see in three possessions, confirmed it, and they got him out. Well, that's all starters do in preseason if they even do that. Right. Now, speaking of quarterbacks, yeah. that's the way it's gone. So, the very appearance would of the, of the playing time would dictate that Sean Payton is leaning with, uh, or, or is going to go with Winston. I, I, I've got to admit, you know, I had my doubts about Taysom Hill being a starting quarterback. Taysom Hill being an NFL athlete, I have zero doubts. He's an incredible athlete. We know that. But incredible athletes don't necessarily mean great quarterbacks. And you need that. Um, driving in this morning, I got the satellite, so I'm flicking around because I knew they'd be talking about that because NFL drives talk radio sports-wise on the national level so much. So it was like... Uh, you know, trying to pick my uh, favorite candy to eat on coming home with a sheet bed sheet full of candy on Halloween. You know, I'm, I'm flicking around from station to station because they're all talking about it. And one of the guys was saying that <clears throat> Sean Payton ego is involved in this. 
and he's reluctant to name Winston because it's like secretly he's pulling for Hill so he could look like the genius because Hill was undrafted. Hill was cut by the Packers. Look what I did. I found this guy off the waiver wire, and look what I developed. So look at me. No idea if it's true or not, but I'm just saying that's what they were talking about. And so he hasn't, Peyton hasn't come out and said, this is our guy. Because he wants to ego is involved and give Hill the chance, but if you just look at it objectively, with no uh, alliances either way, clearly Winston played better. It's obvious. Now you can also say, well, it's the Jaguars who suck, so whoop de do. But at the same time, you got to go with your best guy, whoever it is. And it's not just this preseason game. They do all these joint practices and they chart and film everything and. At some point, they'll let their ones versus the, go versus their offensive starters versus the defense starters, ones versus ones. So I assume it's all of that that's led to Winston. But I think it, uh, and, and I get the ego argument, but I think it's there either way. I mean, Jameis Winston didn't work somewhere else, but you brought him in and you uh, fixed what was wrong. I don't think it was. See, I disagree on that. Win, it's not like it didn't work in and if, Tampa. If you, it was an, well, I mean, if you're going to upgrade to Tom Brady, you're going to upgrade to Tom Brady. So, no matter how it's working. But it's not like they were winning playoff games. No. But there's plenty of quarterbacks in the NFL ain't winning playoff games. The Rams just traded and they're going to put all their uh, hopes on Matthew Stafford, who's, who's not won winning zero. playoff games. And Goff's been. But to yet the everybody Super thinks that Matthew right. Stafford is a really good quarterback. And Goff's been to the Super Bowl. So yeah, so As they, a young quarterback. Right, they made that change. So I, I don't know that you can necessarily go that. Bruce Arians, he was famous for no no risk it, no biscuit. Uh-huh. So how much of that can they put him in a position to be a little more cautious? But at the same time, you can't go into a quarterback job uh, com- competition saying, well, I'm going to go with the guy who won't screw it up more. You're not going to have any success that way. True story. You're not, not going to win the Super Bowl doing that. <laughs> you got to go into a thing. He's our guy, you man. Can, with that mindset, you can get to 500 or a little better because there are enough teams with flaws and more games are lost than are won. But eventually you run up against teams that can make big plays while protecting the football and valuing every possession and all that stuff. So you've got to be able to go make big plays at some point. And Winston can make them. Those throws are on tape in the NFL. He can make them. Yeah, I think that last year in Tampa, he had 27 interceptions. <laughs> How many did he have? Uh, I don't know exactly. <laughs> he had 30. He might have had 31 or 32. He had a freakish statistical season with 30 touchdowns and 30 picks. And it may have been 31 or 32, but just getting to that round number, nobody does both those things. That's the only time That's in weird. his NFL career he's had over 20. Right, but he's still he's he still, still averages young more enough. than one a game, and he had fumble issues. But he is still young enough. He's still young enough that right. when he's making that many big plays, if you can just stop with the negative plays, you're a playoff quarterback. Now, are you a Super Bowl quarterback? And what's the rest of the team like? That all remains to be seen. Is Taysom Hill an NFL quarterback? A starting NFL quarterback? He's still young enough, even though he's not that not young. young. He's in his yeah. 30s. He's, okay, still inexperienced enough then? The answer is maybe, but I just don't think they look at him and see a guy who's going to win playoff games. Do you games. think Taysom Hill's a starting NFL quarterback? He's not going to win playoff games. Yes, that's sir, what no. the Saints want. So, so is that no? It's no for the Saints. 
I can see someone else thinking he's an upgrade, but it's no for the Saints. The Saints have been in the Super Bowl hunt. If it's not the Saints, it's nobody. Nobody else to take a shot he's at him. He's too old. He's too old to go on to someone else. Yeah, you're probably right. This is his best shot. Yeah. But there's so many injuries, you can never say never. So keep fighting the fight oh, yeah, all that so, stuff. So by, but this is by default, shot. he ends up being a starter. That's not Winston, what I'm saying. He's Winston, a starting quarterback in the NFL. If Winston comes out and turns it over, he's going to be the starting quarterback in New Orleans. By default. After Winston loses the job. Okay. But do I think right now that Taysom's going to win playoff games as a starting quarterback? I don't. And that's all they're interested in in New Orleans. Nothing else interests them. Let's go to Ben. Ben, good morning. How are you guys doing? Good, Excellent. Ben. How are you? Well, I've been a long, long time Buck fan. I've watched Winston, and he is a great, great quarterback. Don't get me wrong, but he costs you so many more games with how many interceptions he throws. All Taysom has to do is just show a little bit of ball control. I bet you maybe not get the starting job right off the bat, but he could win it from him very easily. Okay. I think Taysom's got the ball control. I think Taysom, the question is more about making big plays down the field. Um, I guess while not you know protecting the ball, yes, you're not yeah. totally off base. But You're looking at, with Winston, his interception to touchdowns wasn't really that far off. And then when you switch one quarterback, granted, yes, it is Tom Brady, one of the greatest, if not the greatest of all time. They went from not making the playoffs to winning the Super Bowl. Oh, that's a fact. That, so, yeah. it is for a long, long time, many, many Bucks fans have been crying for a different quarterback because he cost us more games than he ever won us. All right, thanks for the call. You got it, though. But you're, you're, you're not comparing him to Tom Brady. You're comparing him to Taysom Hill. Lots of people would lose their job to Tom Brady. They had a chance to get Brady, so they did. So they were talking on one of the stations I was listening to driving in this morning that just on pocket plays, when Taysom was the quarterback, pocket plays, mm-hmm. one out of six resulted in a sack or a turnover. That's too many negative plays. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you've altered the ratio by limiting it to pocket plays. Well, that's what the NFL's about. Yeah. But he's he's the outlier in that he makes more good plays outside the pocket than most quarterbacks. Well, at the college level, he did, but not at the pro level. <laughs> well, you can't he, say that. He's Oh, he's run the ball well at the pro level. You don't think he's but run but, the ball? I know, but it, that's what you gonna, do. Yeah, in the first few years, he got a three-yard gain, and we'd go nuts. We'd pop Martin Martinelli's. <laughs> He'd have a four- or five-yard gain. We know he can do that, but are you going to be able to do that leading a team down the field? On a prolonged drive or to where you have to have quick strikes? Not against the top third of the NFL. I mean, he did it last year, and you can do it against some teams, but this isn't a, a team looking for a quarterback who can get him to 8-8 eight and eight and get respectable and build from there. This is a team with expectations of going to the postseason and winning when they get there. And so, to your point, all those stats... There's just not enough there to go with him unless you've got no other option. And then you go with him and do the best you can, and you know maybe you win 11 games and, and win a playoff game. Maybe. 11 wins is a good season in the NFL, as far as I'm concerned. I know, but the Saints are thinking much bigger than oh, that. Good for them. They can think whatever right. they want. But I know, and they may not get there with either guy. <laughs> Winning I mean, 11 ball games is nothing really to sneeze at. comes down to. The fact is, you've got to be able to throw in the pocket. I don't care how dynamic you are when things break down. Every great quarterback right. 
has been great and, in the pocket. They can still do other things. Right. Montana's most memorable pass, obviously he's running, and the cowboy guy is in his face, and he chucks it up yeah. to Dwight Howard, or Dwight Howard, uh, Dwight Clark. Dwight and, Howard would have been an easy catch. Oh, yeah, really. It's legendary. Yeah. It is better that it was Dwight Why, Clark. Is he a wideout or tight end? Dwight Clark? Well, no, no, Dwight Howard. Oh, oh. <laughs> Howard would be a tight end. He's got to be a tight end. He's too big. He just can't. Yeah, but can he block? He, until he got the hair and all the tats, he was kind of viewed as a pretty boy. <laughs> right, he was. <laughs> I'm sorry, what was the point there? <laughs> yeah, Make a place from the pocket. You have right. to do it. And not only place from the pocket, but you can't dink and dunk. You've got to be able to. I just think good defenses are going to load up on Taysom. Everybody's going to be up by the line of scrimmage. They're not worried about getting beat down the field by So Winston's your starting quarterback, even though he had 30 interceptions. And you may have brought it up a time or 2,000. 30 times, yeah. 30 times, once for every interception. Okay. Yes, I think he's going to be the quarterback. All right. And I wasn't 100% convinced of that in the spring because we don't get to see what they're doing. But he's had more than a year now to learn the offense, learn the same way, Practices. The Saints way. The Saints way. This is how. Right. It's not really the Saints way. It's really the coach's way. That all goes out the window the second they change coaches. Um, and uh, protect the ball. Don't turn the thing over. All right, DJ and PK. Brian Taylor is coming up. The poll's getting a ton of, uh, uh, just a ton of votes here. Is Tony Finau a Ute or a Cougar? We got people explaining it. We will get to that next Kyle Whittingham claiming him. If you don't believe it, well, we'll play it for you. Stay with us. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Josh Newman from the Salt Lake Tribune. If the Utes get great quarterback play this season, they are strong contention to win the conference this year. Do you agree? I agree. At a very minimum, Brewer brings an element to that position this Utah team hasn't had, at least in the recent past. You're getting a graduate transfer with 44 games of Power 5 experience in Brewer, right? He's played in a Big 12 title game. He threw for over 200 yards in a Sugar Bowl. He's won 11 games in a season as a starter. Utah has never had that. We all know Utah has had more than its fair share of trouble at USC. If you're going to win the Pac-12 South, you got to win at the Coliseum. Is this the kid to get it done? I think so, but you still have to play the game. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Join Hans and Scotty G Friday at the warehouse from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Boom! <laughs> I waited. A dramatic silence. So effective. That was awesome. I learned it from Locke. <laughs> Pause. And then go. Hopefully not too much of what Locke likes to do, though. The five-second rule with David Locke the third. I went three and a half, and that bit me. Twice. Yeah. Twice. See, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm getting swept both ends of a doubleheader. It's a game now with him. <laughs> I love playing it. Will I get caught? Will DJ get caught? I thought I had the lead there, but that was a double bogey, and boom, you were right back in it. <laughs> Speaking of double bogeys, Tony Finau limiting those four rounds in the 60s, and then he wins in a playoff, and he's got not just a win, but he's got a nice win. This is, uh, this is not some like uh, Bob Casper has the A, B, and C events and all that. And you're, you're in the playoff now, so the best, the best of the best are playing, and you beat them. 
So it's a really good win. John Rahm was right there, had a two-shot lead when the day started. He finished two back. So take the $1.7 million check. Not Tupac, two back. And the two and the trophy, <laughs> and you're feeling good. And everybody's celebrating. Kyle Whittingham's flashing at you saying, oh, Tony's at all our games. He's a Ute. Right in the front Fly, row. Flashing the U. But Kalani's <laughs> celebrating, and the video's out in social did media. It? I did not. Oh, yeah, it's out there, yeah. yeah. He's I don't, a I don't yeah, it's a U. <laughs> what is Tony? He's a Ute. Yeah, it's a Ute. <laughs> so, can you be a Ute if you never went to school there? Put it up as a poll question. Finau is a Cougar, fifty-four and a half percent. Tony's a Ute, forty-five and a half percent, and we're just shy of five hundred votes. Well, I think that the Cougars will win this. They'll because win because they're thing. more Cougars. Yeah. But if that's what it was, then is this not motivating all the Cougars, or are there more Utes and fewer Cougars if enough people switch sides? <laughs> it didn't used to be 55-45. It was like 70-30 back in the day. More well, yeah, they're in the Pac-12 now, and they win. So Jumping course, on the bandwagon. They're no different than every other fan base. Jill, who is a Stanford fan, tweets at us the Tommy Lee Jones video. From the movie where he's standing in the uh, drainage right before uh, Harrison Ford jumps in The Fugitive. Oh, yeah. Dramatic scene. I don't care. I didn't kill my wife. I don't care. I'm essentially, I'm a U.S. Marshal. I'm a bounty hunter. Think about it. I gotta bring you in. He's married to Celia Ward. There's no way in the world he's killing her. Right? (laughs) That didn't make any sense at all. (laughs) Get out of town, Tommy. Use your brain, buddy. Didn't you go to like Yale or Harvard or weren't you Al Gore's roommate or something? Couldn't you have thought that one through, Tommy, as you're both sitting there in some polluted ditch? I don't care. Good use of the gift, though. And and there's no way that that you're going to survive that drop anyway. I know, right? (laughs) He dies. (laughs) 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 They do the CGI. Hey, are we going to let Harrison do this? No, we'll kill a movie star. Don't do that. (laughs) Hit the water, be like hitting concrete. Oh, yeah, yeah. Good movie, though. I did enjoy it. Getting lost in the St. Patrick's Day Parade. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, uh, Parsonite tweets at us, this is really dumb. (laughs) <laughs> Meanwhile, we got 500, 500 oh, people Oh, wait a voting. second. Why is it dumb? Kyle Whittingham brought it up. He's a Ute. He dismissed the very question. B.S. says, well, he grew up in Salt Lake City. He cheered for the Utes. He golfs with Whittingham. He's a Ute through and through. <laughs> That's not enough evidence. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> It's not. You grew up in Salt Lake City. What do you freaking do? Yeah, there are plenty of cougars who've grown and up you've golfed with Whittingham. Does that make me a Ute? Yes. <laughs> now you're a Sun Devil. We heard Kyle say that. Uh, Dad of Boys says, "Well, it's somewhat complicated because Tony has said he grew up cheering for Utah, and he still does. But he was going to play college golf at BYU. Do we know that? What do you mean I he don't. Was going I to play know, golf at college? I don't know that." Yuck. I was going to play third base for the Sun Devils, too, <laughs> except they said, no, thank you. I thought you. you were playing third base for the Dodgers. Right, but before on your I got way, drafted. No. On your yeah. way. Yeah. Oh, okay. So you were it's going to be me at third, Bob Horner at short, Barry Bonds in left. <laughs> <laughs> the generations all coming together. 
Uh, they were close enough. Maybe I'm not exactly. They weren't. Um, <laughs> they weren't. Bonds wasn't too far away. Bonds was there when I was there. Yeah. Well, gosh, I would have played left field for the Sun Devils, but they had Barry Bonds. <laughs> so I couldn't play. <laughs> Could have played third base, but I know where you're going. I see what you did there. <laughs> That's an inside joke, right there. Yeah. I mean, if not for Bonds, I would have been a, right. I would have been yeah. a starter on a Sun Devil baseball team. I don't know why Jim Brock didn't platoon us because Bonds hit lefty and I hit righty. <laughs> <laughs> I worked in the UCSB Sports <laughs> Information Office, and one, in, uh, at the start of the baseball season, I got sent with the baseball team as a student assistant on a trip, and it was to ASU for a three-game series, and Barry Bonds hit a line drive to center field, just an absolute laser, and that batter's eye out there, and he hit it, and it sounded like a cannon went off. Right, but that was against a right-handed pitcher. Imagine what he would have done against the left. I don't remember who he hit it off. Yeah. But I remember that ball. Oh, sure. Unbelievable. Right. Against a right handed pitcher. That's what I'm saying. Meanwhile, in a summer playoff game in Legion Ball, I squeaked a single between first and second for a wing run on that very field. Jake, good work uh, digging in there and getting that photo. And I'm going to retweet that. Jake sent it out about an hour ago of Tony wearing Ute gear. Flash in the U. Thumbs together. You're, and, and then the index fingers up. That's let's, let's be clear. That actually came by way of peace, love, and Utes. Uh, so I'm retweeting what? your retweet of his tweet. Come on. Big deal. I, I have Ute gear. Looking into a camera flash in the U. That doesn't look like a Cougar fan. All right. So that there it is. That looks definitive. That looks definitive. We had two judgments by rendered by Judge DJ. <laughs> One, the watchdog had the story on Brewer, because that's where he's seen it first. That's where i seen it. And secondly, Tony Finau is a Ute. The judge has spoken. Am I wrong about either one? Brian Taylor will tell me. Or you will, more likely. We'll do that next. Stay with us.